Welcome to the NIHR Dementia Researcher podcast, brought to you by DementiaResearcher.nihr.ac.uk, in association with Alzheimer's Research UK and Alzheimer's Society, supporting early career dementia researchers across the world. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Dementia Researcher podcast, where we discuss careers, science, research, and much more. I'm Adam Smith. I'm the Programme Director for the NIHR at University College London, and in this week's show, we're going to be having a little look ahead to the Alzheimer's Association International Conference, or the AAIC for short. I feel sure most of you listening to this will have heard about the AIC, uh, but to quote their website, it's the largest and most influential international meeting dedicated to advancing dementia science. Each year, the AIC convenes the world's leading basic science and clinical researchers, next-generation investigators, clinicians, and care research community to share research discoveries that will eventually lead to new methods to prevent, diagnose, and treat dementia. To help us find out more about what we can expect from this year's AIC, I'm delighted to welcome my guest, Dr. Claire Sexton. Claire works for the Alzheimer's Association and is one of the people behind the conference. Hello, Claire. Hi, Adam. Pleasure to be joining you today. Um, it's great to have you on the show. We've been, uh, I know you've been quietly behind the scenes at so many of the things that Alzheimer's Association does. Um, so it, it really is finally great to have you finally here. But I, I feel like it's long overdue that we've had you join us. Um, so why don't, we, why don't we start by asking you to introduce yourself? Yeah, so um, I'm Director of Scientific Programmes and Outreach at the Alzheimer's Association and involved, as you say, in a number of different um, initiatives. So some of those is our conferences, so AAIC, um, but also our other meetings, including AAIC Neuroscience uh, Next, um, our APOE and Immunity meetings, TAU 2022 and other meetings we do. And then also um, my role involves ISTART, which is our membership society, and our 27 different professional interest areas under ISTART as well. Uh, that sounds busy. And, and you're an academic or former academic yourself. Yeah, so my background then uh, did my uh, DPL in Oxford and was a postdoc there uh, looking at modifiable factors, uh, spent a bit of time in um, Oslo and then also two years out at the University of California, San Francisco, uh, working as a researcher there before making the uh, switch to uh, the nonprofit sector. I feel like there's a podcast just in uh, uh, just talking about your career in itself. I'm sure so many people will be interested to know how you go from Oxford to Oslo and then end up working across the states and then working for Alzheimer's Association, which I think so many people would look to and go, oh, my God, that looks like such a cool job. Oh, we'd love to. And we'd also love to um, join the other members of the team could join for that um, because, yeah, a lot of different experience. But I wanted to just thank you as well, because through all those different career stages, then um, listening to this um, podcast and being able to, you know, get the latest dementia research, hear from the early career researchers, you know, it's still such, um, you know, um, such a useful um, tool that's out there for researchers and for us in the nonprofit sector. So thank you for all you do. Yeah, well, we hope so. And we're always keen to kind of make sure that everybody's aware because Alzheimer's Association does so much so many cool things and so many of the events you've put on, particularly in the last kind of 18 months, AIC aside have, I think, really helped add to the experience and, and certainly 
despite the setbacks of the pandemic in the last year, it, I think if anything, some of the great things that have come out of it have been the the rise of the webinars and the virtual events, and so much has been driven by the uh, PIAs and the iStart. So fun, thank you for all your work. Uh, let, coming back to this year's conference, so what's what's the theme for this year's AIC? So AIC then is different to some other conferences. It doesn't have like one like overarching theme because it's really broad in its content. It's, you know, every aspect of dementia science, right from basic science all the way through to dementia care. But one thing that we've done slightly differently to, uh, this year with the program is kind of have themes by day. Um, so it's last year we did like basic science day and then biomarkers day. We haven't done that so much, but you'll notice kind of if you're looking deta in detail at the program, different kind of themes emerging. So like, for example, on the Monday, you know, you could spend the whole day looking at um, sessions on like biomarkers in Alzheimer's and other dementia. Or if you went into another room on a Monday, then the theme is uh, along kind of uh, health disparities and um, differences due to sex and gender or race and ethnicity. Um, and then on Tuesday, you could have a, like a whole day spending it on uh, frontotemporal dementia. So you'll kind of notice then like there's different themes, um, which are kind of really um, broad though across all types of dementia research. Well, that sounds really cool. And and I mean, whether, in, whether deliberate or not, I, I know coming away from every AIC every year for the last eight years or something that I've been, there's always, uh, you can't help but notice this, whatever is the hot topic of the time. I remember coming away a few years ago and and thinking I know far more about microglia now than I ever did before because suddenly that that took on a whole um, a whole theme across the across the week ended up coming back to that. So I guess you don't necessarily know what that'll be. It'll be whatever's hot right now. Although you have you had a chance to have a look? Do you get to review the posters and presentations before? Yeah. So um, we read um, every single abstract actually the MedSci team. Um, so uh, we've seen. Do you really of, read them? <laughs> <laughs> we really read all of them when they come in in January. Um, so um, we've seen the whole program, and then there's there's themes that emerge. So um, biomarkers again has been was a, like a hot topic last year. Again, is uh, a hot topic this year. We've also seen, unsurprising, quite a lot around uh, COVID. So then that from like a number of different angles. So like that, we've got like a theme for a bit on a Wednesday. So we have uh, Susan Weiss, who um, has been referred to as like the mother of coronavirus and has been working on them for uh, over 40 years, is given a plenary on like the story behind the science of COVID-19. But then we have other sessions where we're kind of looking at how uh, in the past year then, you know, science has changed and what like methods and what kind of new ways for like remote assessments has been there's another session on like what impact did the pandemic have on like reserve and resilience another session which is on health policies related to COVID-19 so kind of looking at COVID-19 but like from a variety of different aspects. That's really cool and I think actually that's one of the things you can't help but look at the research community that we're a part of about how fantastically well they've adapted and, and um, innovated in the last 12 months to to take advantage of the funding that's been made available to COVID research as well, which we're always very good at doing that, I think. But also as well at, at considering some of these issues like 
as you say, use of technology or remote assessments or long COVID effects on the, the, the brain. It's, um, we're part of such a, a great community of people that are good at picking up on these things. As the, um, are there any particular highlights amongst that that you'd, you'd mention? I mean, how do, you, how do you possibly go about curating all this and deciding how to divide all this up? So it's um, a big team working on it, and we have a team of volunteers um, who are the scientific program committee. Um, so that's over um, 30 um, experts from around the world, and it's uh, co-chaired by uh, Philip Shelton's and Delphine Bosch. And what happens is then the program's kind of created in two parts. So we have the invited program, which is like the plenary sessions and the symposiums. And um, the scientific program committee meet in the autumn and they brainstorm and come up with the ideas and who should be invited for those sessions and they get invited. Um, and then we have the submitted program, which is then when all the abstracts get submitted in uh, January then they can be either submitted as kind of a ready-made session as a featured research session or they can be you know a standalone abstract which then can get placed in an oral session so um again the scientific program committee um look to kind of place you know they rank the featured research sessions about half of them get accepted they um look at what themes are emerging across the uh abstracts that come in and place them in oral sessions um, so they're really integral in kind of forming the um, forming the program. And then we took the, all of those sessions and then we've been then like organizing and slotting them. And we've been slotting them this year about, you know, five different ways from when we were, you know, thinking if we were in person in um, Amsterdam or if we were having to go completely virtual, if we were um, in the States, which we are now. So um, many different iterations of that this year to to settle on this final version i i can't imagine the challenge that must be behind i mean never mind it sounds like a, an absolutely epic undertaking anyway to coordinate between that the people you want to invite then the presentations and i guess you just never quite know what you're going to get through the door when you open up your abstract submission or how many frs's you're going to be submitted so bringing all that together in a five-day program then being flexible enough to adapt for face-to-face -face or online or both I, I, I my hats off to you it's, it sounds tricky particularly as well and also, of course all those people who volunteer and give up their time to to sit on those committees because it, it sounds like a a lot of work not that we want to put people off uh, volunteering for this kind of thing in future is there a way for people to to get involved or do you select people for things like that uh, so usually for this, then we ask current members of the scientific program committee for recommendations of people, and then we invite uh, from there. But, you know, if somebody is interested, then they can always reach out and say, uh, especially if they've uh, been a reviewer for AIC before, that helps. Um, so if you we have, you know, hundreds of reviewers uh, helping review all of the abstracts and score them, which are then the scores taken into account by the uh, scientific program committee. So if anybody would like, um, you know, to be a reviewer, if they're not, or to be considered for the scientific program committee, they can uh, reach out to me and to make sure that we're on that um, they're on our radar. It sounds like I've been at a mentoring session this week, um, uh, this morning, actually, and we had a, 
a present uh, a presenter there that was talking about don't be afraid to put yourself forward for these things ask questions you know it sounds like a great opportunity for any ecrs that are out there to to broaden their horizons to get involved in some of these things and to to uh see what's going on so anybody that's listening do do reach out and get in touch i it sounds like it it's really interesting um so who is the conference for claire i mean is this is it just for basic scientists or clinicians is there something for everybody here i think definitely something for everyone this year and you know last year we went completely virtual and we saw just how uh, much wider uh, and how much more accessible uh, the conference was to a broader audience so you know from a scientific point of view we have like the science from like as i said we have like basic science biomarkers clinical manifestations drug development public health dementia care so all of those different um, angles. And if there's something that you, you know, are looking out for on the program and you don't see, then that's an opportunity to like submit it next year as an abstract or as a featured research session. Um, and then we have every career stage. So we have undergraduate students attending um, all the way through to, um, you know, very senior researchers. And we have, um, over last year, it was over 33,000 people registered from over 160 countries. So uh, that's, you know, most of the world there represented. Uh, yeah, definitely. So, I mean, that's wow, 33,000 people. I didn't realize yeah. that there were that many dementia researchers <laughs> anywhere. Yeah, and I if think, so they're all there. Yeah, so I think that pretty much covered all the dementia researchers, hopefully, but then also people who were interested so we've heard um you know about people who are living with dementia who are taking part in research studies and want to see like you know what is the latest uh, findings and um they were able to attend last year and then this year um we wanted to try and like maintain that accessibility so we built in uh, different passes so we have like a plenary pass which is then just all of the plenary sessions and it's uh, free of charge. So if you're somebody who's not a dementia researcher, but you um, you know want to find out a bit more about it, but you don't want to be spending you know a full week, you can just get the plenary pass free of charge and attend um, the plenary sessions and get that big picture. Um, or then we have like the um, full virtual pass, which includes all of the scientific sessions, all of the um, posters. And that's free for iStart members. And it's also free for anybody um, who's based in a low and middle income country. That's really cool. The idea of a plenary pass sounds brilliant because I know having attended AIC for a long time, I know that it's one of the things that often surprises first timers is when they turn up and they don't see people with dementia attending these events. But I And I understand the arguments for why it's been that way in the past. Uh, particularly for some of the face-to-face -face ones, but it's it's brilliant that you're opening up those sessions. So if anybody's listening who is personally affected by dementia or is a carer or living with the disease themselves, um, it sounds like this is a great opportunity and it's free as well, which is really cool. And, and if they're interested in more than just the plenary passes, uh, if, it, if it's somebody who's living with dementia, they can um, email in and get that upgraded for free to a, uh, a full virtual pass. Because when we were doing some debriefs about uh, with people living with dementia who attended last year, then, you know, we were talking about, you know, how much time would you like to spend? How much is seeing the big picture, which was why, you know, one of the reasons for creating this plenary pass. But also we heard, 
you know, from people being like, oh, I have this particular diagnosis. I wanted to look at this particular poster on this issue, yeah. you know, and or I wanted to know the very latest on this uh, um, drug development. So even though we wanted to kind of make it as easy as possible, just with that plenary pass, we do understand that then people have their particular uh, areas that they're really interested in. So that they, um, if somebody is living with dementia, they they have that, you know, all at their fingertips. And that's one of the brilliant things about being online, right? Is is that you can open up that access to people from across the world far more easily than if you were, you know, accumulating ten thousand academics in a particular conference center somewhere. It, making it navigable. It, and does that mean that you can? I guess from the platform, you can just search according to a certain disease or a certain drug. You know, how how do people find these things? Yeah, so you'll be able to search and then you can either like look at a particular theme or put in a keyword and then it will come up um, with the posters um, or it'll come up with whatever um, session. Is so there. who are those? So you mentioned the invited speakers plenary. So who are there? Are there any particular people presenting there that you'd want to highlight? Oh, so we have 10, so uh, I won't run through all 10, but um, on the first day, then we have Henrik Zetterberg, um, who is giving um, an overview on uh, biofluid-based biomarkers. And if you've ever seen uh, Henrik present, then he's a fantastic, enthusiastic presenter. And, um, you know, again, this is a hot topic. And then also on that Monday, we have um, Amy Kind, who's then talking about social determinants of uh, research and how to go from research into action. So um, that kind of starts us off and I'll just give a couple of other highlights because like on the Tuesday, we have Ricardo Natrini about uh, evaluation of dementia in low educated and indigenous populations. Um, and that's kind of part of a theme which is on global approaches to prevention diagnosis on care. Wednesday, we have um, COVID. Um, Thursday, then we have like disclosure of um, biomarker neuroimaging results in uh, populations by uh, Jennifer Linger being the plenary there, which is then on a theme on like early diagnosis and disclosure. And then on the Friday, we have Michelle Godard, um, which is the uh, molecular mechanisms of neurodegeneration. And we have a lot on the molecular side on, on that Friday as well. So I haven't mentioned everyone, uh, but that kind of gives you a little taste of you know, the range of different speakers, it's really, you know, some of the, the biggest names in the field uh, this year. And there'll be some, four of them at the moment will be in person. Uh, there's a possibility of another one or two joining, uh, depending on travel restrictions. And the others will be, um, you know, joining us from around the world. But the plenary sessions, they'll be watched simultaneously. So there'll be the hybrid people in Denver watching in person and then at the same time that will be streamed out live uh, to everyone um, wherever they are in the world. So so that's good. So the, so the plenary speakers aren't, there are some care researchers in amongst that. It's a, it's a balance because I think that's the, that's the great thing is, is the fact that there is usually something for everybody, which I, I've said more than once now. <laughs> so just actually thinking about that. So last year was the obviously first time that you, held the conference virtually uh, and the decision came quite late on, not long before. And I I think I praised you last year for saying the fact that you enacted this plan to make this a virtual conference, having kept it as a face-to-face -face really late. I mean, I don't know when that final decision was made. Was that May, 
June even? May. It must have been May. I think it was May. Um, but then to to put all that into action to a first to a virtual conference. And I I came away definitely in the end of last July thinking I, I beyond the face-to-face interactions and the chance to have a beer in a hotel bar somewhere with your mates or with some new people. I think beyond the social bit, which was missing, but I I don't think you lost anything from the rest of it being uh, online. I think if anything, you got to see more than you otherwise would have done because you didn't lose that time running from room to room or wandering around corridors aimlessly thinking, where is room to be? Um, so I found actually you took on more more in than you otherwise would do. You just missed having the pint. Um, so that that said, though, did you see any change? I mean, were there parts of last year? Do you think you'll ever purely go back to face to face now? Or did you get so much out of last year that there are some things that you'd like to keep and still continue? No, we're, we're looking now um, to be hybrid. So then we're taking this kind of this year as um, you know the first step into that um, because obviously with travel restrictions and everything it's not you know it's not full scale AAIC in Denver um, but we'll be able to kind of um, have you know have it this year and then be able to learn from that in future years because really want we want to maintain the in person uh, um, gatherings because you know. You, Virtual is fantastic, but it's not it's not quite the same. So we want to keep that in person, have that kind of vibrancy and people being able to have those discussions face to face. But we want to maintain the accessibility that virtual has offered us. You know, we saw um, it was over 20 percent of um, attendees were from low and middle income countries um, last year, which was um, fantastic. And that, you know, those types of figures we want to be um, make sure that we're keeping them that is brilliant isn't it i think moving to virtual there i mean the world has seemed a little bit smaller this year and for all the you know obviously the pandemic has been terrible across the board but i think there are if you're looking for good things to bring out of it i think events like the aic having this new virtual aspect to them being opened up to people from lower and middle income countries or people that just couldn't have the money. I mean, attending, no matter what the ticket price is, I mean, flights and hotels are expensive or taking time away from family or even if you you can't, it's not the kind of conference where you can just say, oh, I'll take a day off on a Monday to go because I'm so busy in the lab or in, in my clinical work that I I can't afford a full week. Whereas going to an AIC is, a, is taking a week out of out of your day job which sometimes just isn't possible so i think this new format is awesome you already mentioned that you had a lot more increased numbers did you see any other changes within that were there change you know how what are the stats like on gender balance or different grades or research fields are are we getting better engagement yeah so we're seeing um it was greater numbers as well of um younger researchers uh, which was fantastic and i think also just wanted to mentioned that with that with early career researchers one of the things that we've heard from people is then um, people being more confident in asking a question because it's in the virtual setting I mean I know when I was uh, you know a PhD student or a postdoc I never got up to the, uh, the microphone so whereas now if somebody is 
um, a little hesitant, a little shy, then they can type the question in and they can always type it in anonymously um, and still get that question asked. And like every single session at um, AIC this year, then it has an opportunity um, to be asking questions. So all the scientific sessions have like time for a Q&A, at least half an hour there. So people can, you know, if you if there's any names that in your papers you're, you're citing, you can go and you've got that opportunity to ask questions, which I think is even more so than you did when it was in person. Um, I, I, I agree. So often I would be Googling the person who I'm, as I'm sitting watching them speak, I would then be Googling them or looking up their Twitter and, and uh, you know, or their, their online presence to follow them or read some of their other papers or bookmark them and things like that. It's really great for that. Yeah, so, so we saw younger uh, people attend. Uh, we also saw uh, more women. So previously, like in 2019, it was like 50-50 split men on women. And then this changed and it was uh, about two thirds of participants um, were women. And especially then we saw, but for women, we saw more senior women um, attend as well. So, you know, I think that's, again we've talked about you know what barriers there are to attend an in-person conference if it's you know what time that you have what financial constraints uh traveling all of that so we can just see how virtual has you know broken those down um oh that's brilliant and it, it, it will be interesting to see what the stats are behind that whether there are you know whether there simply are you know at the moment more women uh, researchers out there or is it that this is a different perspective perhaps we were talking about this before we started recording but you know whether it's a little bit difficult to perhaps travel to a conference somewhere else in the world on your own and so this being able to join in this way I think it's it's brilliant though it really is great to have so many more people attending and see that increased increased split as well yeah, um, no, I remember listening to your, um, you know, the AIC podcasts that you do last year, one of the, your panellists mentioned it, you know, being on uh, maternity leave. So there was no way she would have gone in person, but this meant she could still tune yeah, in. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, you can't help but notice, I mean, the, the mention about more ECRs, even I've noticed from, you know, the, one of my early AICs I went to was in Washington and, you, you know, it seemed like a uh, mostly attended by kind of older, older people. And uh, and now you walk into an AIC now and it's it's just packed out with young people. I can say this as an old bloke, but it is packed with young people. I don't think there are you get to the point where you feel like I am the old bloke now at this conference as opposed to one of these so many kind of young people who are moving in and working in this space. So that's great. This is the this is the trajectory we want, right? We want more young yeah, people no. coming through. We just need to address that bottleneck now to give more um, senior positions for young people to come through so that there's those long-term positions for them and more fellowships and more funding. More funding. We always need more funding. Yes. Um, so coming back to this year's conference you said a hybrid model so does that mean it runs on electric and petrol that's um, exactly it <laughs> so <laughs> to define hybrid we're hearing this term hybrid move uh, which of course means that it's face-to-face -face and online so what what will that look like in reality so um in total we have like seven parallel rooms happening 
Um, so that's physical rooms and because of course we should highlight this back that just for those who aren't aware this happens in the last week of july it's happening monday to friday is that right yeah monday to friday in denver colorado in the us and on the internet as well yes yeah so if you're on the internet you'll see um seven parallel you'll have seven parallel rooms to choose from now Three or four of them, depending on the time, will be fully hybrid ones, which means they'll also be happening in Denver. So simultaneously live in the room and live online. Yes. Yeah. Cool. So what will happen is that then, you know, we'll have the chair and maybe like the first two speakers getting up, giving their presentation in person in Denver. People can see that. And then we'd have... um, the you know somebody from brazil giving their talk and then someone from the uk giving their talk and then we'd have um be joined live by all of them kind of like uh, on the screen for the q a so those presenters in those sessions are both in person and online it's to see if so if you're sat in the audience in denver somebody will walk on the stage and give their talk and then you might flick to a screen and watch the person that's doing it from home yes cool yeah so there will be, because the scientific program is was curated and it was, you know, just based on the science. So it's like all of the sessions really have a mix of presenters from around the world. So there's not really, you know, there's not a single session, which I think is like all just US presenters who would be able yeah, to that's, in person. So, so yeah. Is there some stuff that's only in person or only online? So then we have like, yeah, three or four rooms, which are that that hybrid. And then we have an additional like three rooms, which are just virtual. So then they are then when you've got like the um, presentations for 45 minutes, and then you've got half an hour, which is then uh, Q&A with the presenters. And part of this is then also to bring the presenters together so that they can meet each other, they can discuss their work, and then also so that there's that opportunity for them to answer any questions. So every single session has like a time um, assigned to it this year. Um, I'm just, I'm trying to see what that looks like. So does this like involve somebody on the stage reading out questions from a big screen or do they all just suddenly start looking at their phones? Uh, for the hybrid ones, then, you know, people in person can go up to the microphone and then also there'll be someone who'll be like looking at the one questions that come in from, yeah. from virtual. Um, and then if you join us in person, if you're able to, uh, then there's also, you know, receptions. So on the Monday night... Don't say that. It's not fair. I'm, I mean, obviously <laughs> in the UK, I, I could go, but I really don't want to self-isolate for 10 days when I get back. And it's it's not fair. I, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to send some beer vouchers to me at home, or we can oh, is there online? Are you using GatherTown? Everybody's using GatherTown for virtual conferences now, aren't they? And building virtual pubs and things like that. Yeah, we're we're not using uh, them. We have a different platform this year, um, but. Um, yeah, if, if you are in person, there's like the opening yeah. reception on the first night. There's a nice start reception on um, an early career reception on Thursday. We have uh, poster receptions now um, in early evening as well on the Tuesday and Wednesday. So I'm very envious. What what about posters? So are they are they in person and online as well or just online or? 
Yes, so every single poster presenter, whether they're virtual or in person, um, has been asked to provide a virtual poster so that all of the posters are there um, and they have like Q&A, they have like the audio attached, um, that's all kind of set up. And then the poster presenters who are able to join then, you know, can print out their posters, bring those and display those as well. That's cool. I mean, it sounds like even if you're attending in person, I think it sounds like you need to pack your tablet or your laptop um, so yeah. you can go find a space and and sit there, engage online as well. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. And then also in the weeks after, because it will be available for, you know, 30 days afterwards, the platform. So if there's two things that you want to see at once, then can catch up at your leisure. Yeah, of course. I never thought about that. So do you get a sense of are, are there going to be lots of is it mostly people from the US? Do you think they're going to attend virtually uh, in person this year or um, um, I guess the rules are a bit different there than in some places in the world? Yeah, so it's obviously it's easiest to travel to Denver if you're already in the in the US. But then we're seeing people from other countries, um, you know, I, um, as rules change. And as people, some people have been able to get um, exceptions to travel. So it won't be a normal year, uh, you know, with strong representation from Europe, from South America, um, with the same type of reputation as, as in usual years. Um, but there will, um, there'll still be some people traveling and then obviously everyone taking part remotely. Brilliant. And so there's still plenty of time for people to book uh, of course, um, uh, when this show goes out. Um, how do people register? Yep, so if they go to outs.org uh, slash AAIC, um, then from there you can have a look at the scientific program, you can look at the different registration categories and you can go to the registration page and uh, register either for the uh, plenary pass, the, uh, the full virtual pass or in person. Great. And I and I I start members get it free, I believe. I start members get the virtual completely uh, free. So then you can sign up. If you're not a member of iStart, you can just sign up for the bundle and get AIC and iStart in one go. And I should say that anybody who's not listening who's a member of iStart absolutely should, because in addition to getting a free virtual ticket for the AIC, of course, you means you can join the wonderful PIA that I'm uh, fortunate enough to chair to elevate early career researchers and we do um, various activities. But I, uh, across all of the PIAs, um, so for, for those listening to another, PIAs are these professional interest areas that bring together groups of people that look at usually at specific research areas, but also other topics like um, women in science or uh, careers like ours. And um, the amount of program we get an email from i start every sunday if you're not a member um you won't know this but if you are a member you'll get this email on a sunday and the number of events going on literally every day there is a a massive calendar packed with events of different pias doing different fascinating webinars and talks and different discussions and conferences and specific things going on across the whole range of discovery um it's it's got to be the best value for money of any membership uh in terms of providing content so i sound like a walking advert for them. i'm i'm not paid <laughs> I, I don't get any commission but you I, I don't even get a free ticket for the aic but, but 
Uh, I'm expecting a drink from them when we, we do finally meet in person. But honestly, you should head over to the um, iStart website. It, it's worth doing it just for the AIC conference alone. It sounds like a, a and, really great lineup this year. And if I could just give a quick plug as well for the, for the peers, I think they play a key role with AIC. And I think especially then in years to come, because um, I don't know, you know, when you're attending kind of different conferences, you know, there's benefits of attending like a small conference where it's like everyone's, you know, you know, the people who are there, you, um, all of the work is relevant to your field, everything like that. It's that kind of kind of close knit community at a small conference. And then if you go to a big conference, then there's just like everything that you could ever want to know about is there and you've got all of that choice. Um, with the peers, then what we're trying to do is kind of get maintain like that kind of small conference feel at a big conference so like they're all having like uh, not all of them but select ones are having um like the week before aic like a networking session where we'll have breakout rooms you can meet other um people who are working in that field they'll highlight some of the sessions which are you know you know these are the talks in this field you don't want to miss out on these are the posters so that then when people are attending during AAIC, you'll be seeing like familiar faces and you'll kind of know what to look out for. And then um, in September, they'll all have um, scientific sessions. So you'll be able to like carry on those conversations like year round and then um, hopefully be seeing them again in person for AIC next year. So we're trying to, um, yeah, use the peers to kind of get that kind of small conference community feel um, at AIC, even though, AIC is getting quite big. And, and again, back to this mentoring discussion from earlier, it's, it's a great way to become involved, to meet new people. It's a real international uh, community as well with people from all over the world. And uh, it's, it's a great way to get some support. Uh, that said, we should be, it's nearly all we've got time for today, but we, we should actually give a bit of a plug for some of the other things going on. So you've got PIA week, which is the week before the conference where we're going to, well, tell us what you've got these small virtual days did you say yep yep so it's only kind of short it's just half an hour you can go you'll uh, hear from the executive committee members they'll tell you what they're looking out for at AIC and then you'll have an opportunity to um, say hi and if you're given a poster plug your poster um, and just meet other people um, and you can do that whether you're attending virtually or in person so that's a great reason to sign up to iStart this week, uh, sometime this week or next week, because then not only will you get your ticket for the AIC, but you'll also get a chance to go to those PI. When you sign up for iStart, you're invited to tick the box for the PIAs you'd like to join. And you can be in as many as you like, I believe, and it's free. So you tick the boxes and then you'll get the details on the specific sessions. Also, that week, uh, from the 19th to the 23rd, uh, we're going to be releasing our iStart PIA Relay podcast series. Uh, we did one of these last year, just in July. Uh, they were really popular, so we're back with a second season uh, to uh, run a chain of Relay podcasts where the interviewer goes on to be the interviewee of the next one. And we have five of those coming out during that week where you can get to know more about, I forget, I think we've got atypical Alzheimer's disease. I think we've got um, Lewy body dementia, electrophysiology. We've got, oh, I forget, but check the website. There'll be a link before. Neuroimaging is in there. Yeah. Um, and they, in that other podcast, they talk about some of the work that their PIA is doing, but also what are the hot topics in their research field. So it's a great series. 
just to try and catch up on some of the things going on elsewhere that might be not necessarily in your research area. And then, of course, you've got the PIA month, which is in September. Mm -hmm. Is that right? September, That's which right. is more of the same. And then Neuro Neuroscience Next conference in October. I, again, I mean, all oh, you're so busy. But um, <laughs> all of the links to these events uh, and on how to join iStart and on the AIC and everything will all be in the text that comes with this podcast and on our website as well. I think that's all we've got time for today, Claire. I'm looking at the timer and we've, I, I, I was a bit worried this would be short. We wouldn't have a lot to say, but as ever, I'm rubbish at keeping to time and there's always too much to talk about. But thank you very much for joining. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. And good luck with the conference if we don't speak to before. We, we also usually record a podcast every day during the AIC to give our own roundup. Um, Denver's seven hours ahead, though compared to British summertime. So if my reckoning is right, some of the sessions aren't going to finish until midnight. Um, so it might be a bit trickier to engage this year, but I'm, I'm going to be making the most of, of them as much as I can. And it's an excuse then to have a glass of wine or a, a cold beverage while watching and be guilt-free. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for everybody for listening today and for Claire for joining us. For more information uh, on AIC, I start the PIAs and on Dementia Researcher, you can come to our website or look in the text below. Uh, finally, please remember to like, subscribe and review the podcast in whichever app you're listening. And if you'd like to join us and come along on to the show and talk about your own research or to talk about some careers topic that's that you're particularly passionate about, we're always looking for new listeners. So do drop us a line. Uh, we're on Twitter at dem underscore researcher or drop us an email to dementia researcher at nihr.ac.uk. Thank you very much, Claire. And we'll uh, see you. everybody. See you all soon. Brought to you by DementiaResearcher.nihr.ac.uk in association with Alzheimer's Research UK and Alzheimer's Society, supporting early career dementia researchers across the world.